Good morning, folks. Hi, this is Nate. This is Ryan Clark. And this is Shannon. Oh, well, so Shannon, it sounds like you're on the road right now. You're on your way to Texas. Is that right? Yeah. Nice. And unlike other podcasts in which we've had an interview and we would have a conversation about the interview, um, this time we're talking about the subject of pornography. Dum dum dum, the P word. Which is pornography. Which is so diverse and vast. We thought we'd take a stab of just talking about it, just the three of us for starters, and see where that goes. Uh-oh. Just amongst ourselves. Oh, this is gonna make people nervous. Like a little coffee talk. Hey, apologies for the microphone sound. I'm driving down the road as we speak to from Kentucky to Texas for a Women at the Well workshop next week. Um, and so, yeah, and I anticipate that the subject of porn will be a topic brought up because it usually is at every workshop because women can get just as addicted to porn as men can. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> well, and maybe we should define what we're talking about, um, you know, because this is, of course, this is a difficult conversation to have particularly, what? you know, I think for like people of faith, you know, this is... Because this is a taboo topic, and, you know, pornography can mean so many different kinds of things to different people. So, when we say porn, I think we should talk about what are we talking about. Wow. Yeah. That, that's a good question. How about, how about each of us take a brief stab of, of what porn is? How would you define porn? I, I would start off by creating a difference between porn and erotica. Like, I, I feel like there's a difference there, and... Um, I for for myself, um, erotica is in general. I need to Google this, but in general, I kind of look at it as art. You know, it's not really in the industry of. Um, but I don't know how other people categorize it because there's a lot of great erotica novels that there is an industry of. So you know, I know there is a difference between porn and erotica, though. I think that's as far as I can get right now. Yeah, I recently was reading uh, someone's statements about, I don't even remember what I was reading or who was, the, who was the author of this statement, but I remember it just kind of striking me as um, kind of re revolutionary or whatever. She said that she feels as if we have to separate erotica from pornography because erotica is designed to arouse, but it's merely a story written by an, a person who isn't using someone or um, you know filming anyone necessarily? That it, it's 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 strictly a story, and that it's no skin off of anybody's nose for someone to craft a story and for someone else to read it if it serves the purpose of arousing them for their partner. But pornography is kind of a totally different realm in that there are real live people being used, and we can't overlook the impact. That it potentially has on those people, um, you know, maybe something that they are totally down for in the moment. But there's a great documentary on Netflix that I watched several years ago about kind of the life of porn stars after they're no longer pornography material, if that's a, a, the appropriate way to say it. After they're after they've reached that prime age, or that after they've passed that prime age of being a porn star, that what happens to them then? And it was. I mean, a lot of the the stories were really sad, but um, yeah, there was a couple of women that had figured out another career path or whatever. But there's 
All right, I, I crammed way too much into that answer. <laughs> well, I, I feel you though. There's, there's. I mean, I get it. There's, there's, um, there is a end result uh, damage with some people who were involved with one industry, and and the other doesn't inflict that much damage. Uh, it's that's what I'm getting from what you're saying. Well, and I, I'm not sure if that's off, but it sounds like Shannon was making the distinction between video uh, written content and video content yeah. that too right so written content is what she calls what she's referring to as erotic as written content and pornography is video content and the written content doesn't involve the people so there's less potential yeah. damage that can happen yeah i follow yeah it's fictional even if it's yeah so yeah, what I do mean, you, you say know, any so... kind of, well i would just say any any um any sexual content that uses images oh. uh, for the purpose of arousal. Yeah, any, yeah. I mean, because I grew up in the old days, right? There were, you know, uh, you could get a hold of a VHS, but not really. It was like magazines hidden under logs out in the woods is what pornography was. So <laughs> and I didn't have what these kids have today. Uh, this, it, you know, oh, so this um, is interesting, but I, you know, and I think that what, so when we commonly use the term pornography, I think what most people imagine is the, is internet porn, um, the sort of unlimited, um, mm-hmm. you know, you can find anything on the internet, anybody doing anything on the internet sexually kind of porn and there's no. There's no limit to how much you can consume or what people might be doing. I mean, I think that's probably what most people now. When you say porn, that's what they they're talking about. I mean, that's what they are imagining, right? Would you all agree with that? Or yeah. I would. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm already struck by the different definitions we have with porn because, um, from what I get from the both of you, right? Um, I. I'm wondering it. Well, I'm curious about: um, is there a visual type of um, celebration and a, and a, a celebration involving the actual people, so it's not just narrative? Um, and can that be held in a, a a high way? You know, if is that possible? I'm I I am intrigued by yeah. that question, and and I'm not providing any answers. Well, you know and that mean? question. Is that the same? That's a similar question that came up in season one with uh, uh, Dr. Tina Shermer Sellers uh, when we were talking about like like the topic of like ethically sourced, you know, porn or erotica. I think we were using the word phrase erotica in that conversation about um, you know that is some sort of porn with a purpose that isn't. Um, and I, I'm remembering back, it was, um, you know, written by women, directed by women. People were paid fairly. Um, no one was being exploited in the production of of that porn. Like, is that, that about that being okay, is that a possibility? So, yeah, that's something else to talk about. Is that what you're talking about, Nate? Yeah, it's, this is, it's really thick. Yeah. It could be. It could be. And it's also in the context of, right? Like, let's say, for example, I'm, I'm married and, well, I was married and, um, 
I, my wife and I, we could not connect um, sexually. There was so much shame and there was so much damage when we would try to... Um, um, we were we were hitting each other's triggers. We just didn't realize that, right? So, but it would have been great to have something that would arouse us, like something that would arouse me and something that would arouse her. But we weren't... Um, there wasn't the pressure that it had to be each other that was arousing each other. Like if we could watch porn... And she had her taste in my head. We had my taste. Like, that was something that we never had a chance to explore, you know. And for some couples, maybe that has, been, that has helped bridge their connection. And for other couples, that may be the source of their divide. Yeah. You know, I, I am curious about that conversation. Yeah. Well, and I'll chime in with, um, I remember when I was working on my master's degree in counseling, one of my professors had mentioned this organization. I think they were out of Atlanta or something called Sinclair Institute. And they had put together a video series for couples that only featured married couples who were willing to be intimate on camera for the purpose of instructional education. And in between each snippet, there was someone kind of doing a narrative about, you know, how to determine, you know, what your, what your partner may find pleasurable and how to determine what you find pleasurable. And, and I did, I, I found it relatively tasteful. Um, I, I was not offended by it. I didn't, I didn't feel as if I needed to like confess to my pastor or wash my eyes out with soap or anything like that. Um, so I get the concept, but I think that it boils down to when you say, is it okay or is it not okay? I don't think that we can all, I think the only declaration that each of the three of us can make on this show is whether or not it's okay for us. And I'm not necessarily asking that question as much as I'm just saying, I don't think that we can say what's okay for everybody else. I don't think that there's one gold standard. I mean, I know that there is a gold standard in that none of us should be, um, you know, needing the external um, stimulation according to some Christians. However, dot, dot, dot. I remember when I was researching for the fantasy fallacy and I happened to know someone in the hotel industry that, um, that often would host Christian conferences. And his quote was I, that we love it in the hotel industry when Christian conferences come to town because our pornography sales go out. <gasps> no way. Yep. Yep. They go through. I missed that. They go through the roof? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and my God. Far more than any other type of conference or convention or whatever, when it's a, quote, Christian conference, it's like while the cat's away, they're going to play and they're going to watch the things that they can't watch at home or whatever. And so I, I found that very interesting. And I did some research to kind of, you know, solidify that. And, and I mentioned it in the fantasy fallacy. So we can all say what we know is, you know, a, a conviction, but yeah. we also have to be realists and acknowledge that even the most conservative of Christians who don't agree with it, will often become purveyors of it for whatever reasons. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey ladies, let me ask a few bold questions. What would it look like for you to become a sexually confident woman? Someone who loves touching and being touched with no guilt, shame, or inhibition? Are you ready to experience the kind of deep inner healing that could make that possible? Would you like to experience a passion for your husband like you've never had before? Or if single, would you like to make peace with your past and attract a truly healthy partner? 
If these questions pique your interest, then consider attending a Woman at the Well workshop with our very own Shannon Etheridge. Yay! Author of 22 books and relationship coach extraordinaire. Learn more by going to shannonetheridge.com and clicking the workshops link. Each four-day intensive is limited to 8 to 10 pre-screened participants. So act now and reserve your spot today. Excellent. And one yeah. other thing I'll say. <laughs> I, well, I, think that, I think that there... I have talked to some Christian couples who both of them are okay with certain types of ethically sourced porn, kind of like the Sinclair Institute stuff that I mentioned. But then the problem comes when you have uh, two people who one of them wants it and the other one doesn't. And then, and then I know couples where neither one of them thinks that it's ethical at all in any way, shape or form. So there's no problem there because they both feel the same way. So I think the problem lies when one person is comfortable with it and the other person is not how do you rectify and and yeah how, how what do you do with that that's a good question yeah and it sounds like we're saying we're asking uh or what we're trying to pay attention to is what is the purpose of the pornographic content like what what function is it playing in the person's life or in the relationship right um, because if they both agree that it's it's providing some sort of something constructive, then it's not going to be a problem. It's when it's when it becomes a problem when when either as an individual or a spouse says, "Hey, this isn't cool. This is hurting me that you're doing this." That's that's when it's the problem. And I totally respect those individuals. Both, and it's not just wives saying I have a problem with this to their porn addicted husbands. I mean. There have been many husbands who have told me they have a problem with the fact that their wife seems to want this and that they feel as if maybe they spent years battling their own porn pornography addiction and they don't want to get sucked back in. Mm. And so, like, how does he say no to the wife who wants to be with him, but she really feels as if she needs the porn to warm herself up? That can be a really sticky mess. <laughs> no it pun can intended. be a sticky mess, can't it? <laughs> for that to be a pun, but... <laughs> it can be a sticky, slippery mess. Yeah, yes, it can. A slippery slope. It can. It, it it can also be a chafing mess. It can be a chafing mess. Well, and not to make light of the fact that, um, you know, behave porn addiction, behavioral addiction, men and women, but probably probably men more often than women find themselves in a situation where they obsessively and compulsively watch porn and to the degree that it impacts their relationships with their spouse in particular and their friends and potentially even at work. And it's something they feel like they don't have any control over and, you know, and it hurts them. And, you know, we call that porn addiction. I, you know, whatever kind of behavioral addiction it is or isn't it you know for a lot of people um you know the reason why this is such a hot topic is that porn taps into something that is just triggers something deeply unhealthy and uncontrollable in some people yeah in fact i, I like to par offer a part of my story there to you know to kind of give some some fleshiness to that statement um <laughs> no pun intended there he's right um <laughs> wow we're just loaded with it today aren't we yes we're loaded um so 
when I was when I was married, <laughs> that's the third one. Um, when I was married, uh, my wife and I were both struggling with our success marriage, and um, for me, I I I went into pornography. I didn't go into pornography; I was into it, but I was I was watching it, and I specifically stuck with to stuck with the porn that was about women. It was like women solo or women on women because I couldn't handle watching a guy and a girl do it because it was so clearly what I could not have. And mm. it would it literally was like it would it would I would plummet in such a depression. Um but I I wanted something that I felt like I waited my whole life for, which was not happening. And um, I hated that I had to look at pornography. I was like, I wish there was another way I could access this information. And in an effort to understand my, my wife, um, and I, was, I didn't have as much sexual experience, those videos became the things I needed to see to know what a vagina looked like and to apply what to wear and in what fashion. And then I had to go through the filter of, of are these people faking it or not? Because I sure as hell need some instruction right now. I really do. And this, and, and I would have to comb through something that would seem, okay, this actually looks more sincere. I think it is. I don't know. Cause I'm not a woman that she doesn't have anything that makes her hard. I have no idea. So, um, I'm, I'm playing a whole lot of guesswork. Uh, and and so I I feel like there was something sacred indeed that I that I experienced in seeing it, um, the way it was delivered, the way I held it. That's another question. But when I say sacred, I mean something powerful, something I would say something of God, right? Um, maybe it's something of God that's mishandled and misrepresented. Uh, but I have to acknowledge I was drawn to it for a reason, and um, somewhere around there. Um, I found myself not socializing as much, talking less at work, and I was showing signs of being addicted to something. I just didn't know that I was. Um, and uh, I was substituting, that became the, when I was going to church and I wasn't having a full uh, uh, sexual expression in my marriage, um, I wanted to bring that honest story into church somehow, and I, I still didn't have a place to do that. Whether I was having sex or just getting getting um, understanding, that conversation was never fully present in church. And so I just felt like that conversation could be fully present in pornography, and I needed a place of full conversation in that subject. Um, and yeah, and then I had to go to a Celebrate Recovery program to pull myself out of that. Um, and I am very grateful for that program. Yeah sucked in more than you wanted to be um at some point i it did yeah and um just as we refer to in scripture you know you judge a tree by the fruit that it that it yields um i didn't want to cut off pornography for myself because i just wasn't having sex in my marriage and also i wanted to learn how to please her when the time came um and at some point the fruit of my life was bad you know, and I'm not even sure if the fruit was good because I didn't have a chance to try it out. You know, so maybe for other couples it yielded good fruit, um, but for me, I was just grasping at whatever, and I was hitting my bumps, and that's my experience with pornography. Did you have a good experience with Celebrate Recovery? Um, in Celebrate Recovery, what I found there um, was 
the there was a community in our shame, and I needed that so much. There's a community in our shame. Um, they had a clear approach to how to handle all those addictions, right? Um, which um, which is you take the twelve steps, and you know you kind of move away from it, and um, so. Yeah, I think that I think that answers the question. So you you felt as if it was a healing thing for you to go through a group where you were able to acknowledge that that the porn had had more control over you than you desired. Yes, admitting that helped me a lot. Um, yeah, um, I I don't know about finding the right balance for it while being at one of those groups because while I was attending the group, I was just you know separating myself from it, and then when I no longer attended the groups. I feel I found a healthy balance for it that worked for me, but that's, it's hard to interpret that yet, you know, which is good. We have a podcast to talk about these subjects. Yeah. So it sounds like what you're saying, Nate, is that for you having, you found a balance so that you were able to later in your life or after you went through celebrate with uh, celebrate recovery, you could, could, look at some porn without feeling like it controlled you or yes yes well in regards i don't want to i don't want to just limit it to porn there i just want to i just want to create the distinction that i found i know what it feels like now to simply be out of control whether Mm -hmm. it's addicted to porn or addicted to work or addicted to being manic in my creative energies right Mm -hmm. That's what I got from Celebrate Recovery that I thought was really fantastic because a lot of folks could go there for their unique, like in our Celebrate Recovery, you can be an alcoholic and you can be a porn addict. You can just treat that general addiction. Right, right, right. Um, so that general approach to it really created, um, it was good for me. Yeah. Yeah, I've worked worked with some guys, you know, I'm thinking about one in particular who, for him... um it was he got to the point where um he used porn to yeah to avoid sexual intimacy with his wife and it it was at the point where he couldn't get aroused unless without porn and i think probably had had to masturbate in a particular to ejaculate he had to masturbate in a particular kind of way it was it was pretty intense for him and and even today i think he 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 has to be like an like an alcoholic who is a teetotaler has um a sponsor 12 step sponsor has to you know they have the only computer they have in their house is in a, a public space um you know his wife can check his phone anytime she wants you know they have all these accountability structures set up because if he gets access to it he won't be able to stop himself he'll he'll stay up he'll stay up all night just going from site to site going deeper and deeper so that probably might be more pathological than what what you may have experienced nate i don't know i don't know we haven't talked about that um yeah well um yeah well i can i can extend that story um what what ultimately happened um before going to celebrate recovery it didn't just stop at the porn i met some people online and i had an affair i had a few connections outside of my marriage and i came clean to my wife about a year later Mm -hmm. so 
that does fit into the narrative of, oh, if you look at porn, it's just going to end up you having an affair. Like it, it's sort of a. I understand my. It's like a gateway drug kind of thing. Correct. Yeah. I understand that my story supports that argument, right? What I also want to say, though, is that um, um, I I'm still on the. I'm still on the search of, um, of in this time for the sake of sex education, that um, something like erotica or, or is needed to recalibrate. And um, I'm so passionate about that conversation. Um, I feel like that there's pieces in pornography that I experienced that... Um, that could be really informative to take us there. Um, but it's been really uh, just buried with so much bad results and so much trauma and so much negativity. It's, and rightfully so. Um, gosh, I'm not sure if that made sense. Um, maybe you should just quit, uh, skip that question and <laughs> edit it out or something. Man, <laughs> I feel like I have so much to say, but I'm trying to dance on the well, line. Shan- you know, so. Yeah. Uh-huh. Shannon, do you have some? Yeah. Well, Shannon, what what are some of the common themes of people who seem to be? And right now, in this podcast, we're talking about some of the darker, I guess, some of the darker aspects of pornography. You know, dangers, toils, and snares <laughs> of it. But people do struggle and then work their way into healthy sexual relationships with the people around them. And Shannon, I think that's a lot of. Uh, well, it's a, a part of what you do, isn't that right? I try to help them figure out why they search for what they search for. Um, like, I, I totally understand that most people start looking at porn as a sex education tool. They're just curious. They want to know what's possible and what the people like and what would I like. And they just feel as if there's a gravitational pull toward the Internet to learn that. Um, and I think that it's actually often fear of intimacy in real life with real people that drive people toward pornography, which may, I mean, maybe the fear of intimacy with real people is healthy to an extent if you're not ready to be in a serious relationship or whatever. Cause I know that when a lot of kids are looking at porn, well, they're not ready for sexual relationships themselves. And so they wind up looking at it and I'm not, I'm not prescribing that. I'm only describing it. But so oftentimes when that pattern you know, when they develop that pattern in their childhood or in their teenage years, it follows them into adulthood and they make an association that I can't get aroused unless I look at porn. And I find it very interesting, this younger generation, especially uh, like when I talk about how the Bible doesn't forbid masturbation and that I think that there's actually healthy masturbation for both single and married people, a lot of people get defensive and they assume that I'm promoting pornography viewing. Mm. Like, where, why would you marry those two things together? Like, people were masturbating for centuries before pornography ever came down the pike in 1952 and Playboy magazine was made available to the public. But this generation never remembers a time where you didn't masturbate to porn. They just, they've married those two in their heads. And that is all the time we have today to talk about porn. Obviously, we are right in the middle of this conversation. We have to cut it off here. We will be back next week with the second half of this conversation because there's a lot more things to be said. 
and we are going to say a lot of them next time. So thank you so much for listening to Touch Podcast. You can find us online at touch underscore cast, as well as at our Patreon site where you can be supporters of this podcast. Um, so you can continue to hear, along with your friends, all the important conversations that we are having about sex and faith. Hey, listeners, you may not know this, but Ryan Clark has a consulting company. It's called Next Good, and this is how he helps individuals and organizations rewrite their futures by becoming actors in their own comedy. You'll learn how to collaborate, experiment, and play with your fellow cast members as you all move forward in life toward your ultimate goals. Go to ournextgood.com for more information. This has been Touch Podcast. I'm Nate Navarro. This is Ryan Clark. And I am Shannon Etheridge, and we love you for listening.